As the nation looks for ways to lower rates of suicide overall, many healthcare organizations are addressing the critical issue of suicide among physicians. Welcome to Advancing Health, a podcast by the American Hospital Association. I'm Tom Hitterly, senior writer for the AHA. Dr. Heather Farley is the chief wellness officer for Christiana Care Center for Provider Wellbeing in Wilmington, Delaware. She leads advocacy programs and initiatives aimed at optimizing the physician experience and fostering an organizational culture of well-being. In this podcast, Elisa Arispakajaga, Vice President of AHA's Physician Alliance, and Dr. Jerry Reed, Senior Vice President for Practice Leadership at the Education Development Center, talk with Dr. Farley about what hospitals can do to promote connectedness and well-being among their physicians. I am Dr. Jerry Reed, Senior Vice President for Practice Leadership at the Education Development Center. Education Development Center, or EDC, is a global nonprofit that advances lasting solutions to improve education, promote health, and expand economic opportunity. Since 1958, we have been a leader in designing, implementing, and evaluating powerful and innovative programs in more than 80 countries around the world. As part of our effort, our work in suicide prevention is among our strongest practice leadership area of responsibility. We operate, for example, the federally funded National Suicide Prevention Resource Center, the National Action Alliance for Suicide Prevention, a public-private partnership which gathers to advance the objectives of our national strategy for suicide prevention, and we oversee the Zero Suicide Institute, which inspires the transformation of clinical care in healthcare settings by bundling evidence-based practices as we deliver suicide-safer care to patients. It is my pleasure to be joining Elisa today and Dr. Farley and the opportunity to collaborate with the American Hospital Association on this important podcast. Elisa? Well, to get us started, Dr. Farley, can you tell me just a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in this topic? Absolutely. My name is Heather Farley, and I'm the Chief Wellness Officer at Christiana Care Health System in Newark, Delaware. My background is in emergency medicine, and I've been a practicing emergency physician for 17 years now. And I think that personally, I, I had an investment in the health and well-being of our clinicians. Uh, but in terms of what led our organization to pay attention to physician well-being and specifically to physician suicide, I think that we began to understand that health systems are particularly high-risk environments in which we work. We know that healthcare providers have higher rates of physical and mental suffering than the patients that we treat. And we began to understand that the well-being of our physicians was actually a critical success factor for us to deliver on our organization's mission. And that link between physician well-being and quality of care and patient experience, as you know, has been well described in the literature. We also know that distressed physicians are more likely to leave an organization, right? And that leads to significant turnover costs. So yes, there are patient care reasons and financial reasons of, of why Christiana Care and other health systems are, are paying attention to physician well-being, but most importantly, 
we started looking at some of those disturbing statistics around physician suicide and burnout. And we as an organization care deeply about our physicians, about their overall well-being, and about the experience that they have working in healthcare and in our healthcare system in particular. And so that was really, I think, what drove us to establish our Center for Provider Wellbeing. I'm proud that we have a, a pretty cool uh, mission, which is to foster joy and meaning in work for providers and their teams. And it's about not just minimizing that distress, but also creating the conditions where clinicians can truly flourish. And can I just ask you a little bit of a follow-up on that? For you personally, how did you see this burnout issue manifest in your 17 years as an emergency physician in particular, you clearly had a lot of exposure to some rather traumatic events and so forth in caring for your patients. How did you come to this work? So for me personally, uh, it was a, a journey of being exposed to what many of my colleagues are experiencing. And there are so many things that you know, practicing medicine is a privilege and there are so many uh, joyful and meaningful aspects of practicing, but there is a lot of uh, much less joyful aspects. And that was what I personally experienced and then was witnessing in my colleagues. And it was very difficult to watch my colleagues lose the spark of that drove them to go into medicine in the first place and to become disconnected from that um, because of the milieu in which they're working and the repetitive trauma that they're exposed to. Um, and it is a, a very, very challenging profession to work in and um, definitely watched the toll that that was taking on, on my colleagues. And that saddened me and motivated me to, uh, to actually want to dedicate my career to improving what it's like to work in healthcare. Um, and from a, a personal perspective, um, I had had a, a difficult case of my own in which one of my patients that I treated died unexpectedly. And uh, I had a, uh, unfortunately was sued and, and had to go through the medical malpractice environment. And the sense of isolation that uh, went with that um, and the dark places that it takes you was really something that I never wanted one of my colleagues to have that same experience. And so definitely a lot of, of personal and professional motivators uh, for me to do this work that I do currently. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm, I'm moved to hear you say it, and I'm sure it will touch a lot of people um, who've also been through a similar experience and, and your inspiration to do something about it for others is exactly why we're talking about this today. Um, what I'd like to know, uh, Dr. Farley, is how did you roll the program out at Christiana Care and make available resources known to staff? And what were the messages that you created to promote the initiative and to engage the, the clinician community, the clinical community, to join um, the effort? I think it was a bit overwhelming at the beginning, but we knew that there was no silver bullet. So delivering on the quadruple aim uh, really requires a multi-pronged approach. We do espouse the, the Stanford model of professional fulfillment, which includes three prongs of uh, personal resilience, culture of wellness, and efficiency of practice. And along with that approach to professional fulfillment and clinician well-being, the message really is that the answer is not telling physicians that they need to be more resilient. 
And that is, uh, unfortunately, I think a, a message that has been connected too frequently to uh, the well-being discussions, um, you know, telling physicians that you need to eat better, sleep better, meditate and exercise, and uh, all of the, your burnout will go away. Physicians are some of the most resilient people on the planet already, and so telling them they need to be more resilient is uh, sometimes not only insulting, but also not where the money is uh, in terms of effectiveness. I oftentimes will reference the canary in the coal mine analogy, so you can't take the canary and teach it to be more resilient and stick it back in the same coal mine and expect it to survive. You actually have to change the coal mine. And so our message here and our approach here has been about changing the coal mine, the environment surrounding the clinician. That being said, we do as a health system and as organizations, we need to bolster the resources that are available to support personal resilience for our physicians and to create a culture where it's normal and expected that we acknowledge our humanity, our struggles, and our need for support during challenging times. So those are some of the, the key messages that we had um, and that we continue to uh, promote to our, our physicians. Let's dive in a little bit deeper. Can you share a few of the program options that are available for your physicians who uh, might step forward and need assistance after experiencing suicidal thoughts or having another issue that they need assistance with? Absolutely. So as we talked about, our health system has operationalized this multi-pronged effort to foster clinician well-being, but certainly a key component of that effort includes addressing physician mental health and suicide. So that was a big focus of our attention in the development of our center's resources. We wanted to ensure, first and foremost, access to resources uh, and to have people have multiple options for how to access resources. So we partner with an external vendor to provide uh, physician-specific EAP services, so Employee Assistant Program. This vendor that we partner with was designed specifically by physicians for physicians the, the people who are part of this program and who are doing the intake for these physicians really understand what it's like to be a physician. And we've opened that up to all of our uh, physicians and advanced practice clinicians who are on our medical dental staff, not just the employed physicians. So I think that was an important thing um, that all of our physicians who are associated with our health system have um, access to this resource. And then we augmented that with a resource liaison line. So uh, we have a, a phone line that is covered by a psychologist internal to our system who will serve uh, as she doesn't actually uh, do any therapy herself, but will tease out what the physician's needs are and get them connected quickly to uh, either internal or community resources. And so I think that was one major move was making sure that we had uh, really robust access to resources. And then I think that another key component was equipping our physicians to have meaningful conversations with each other when they're concerned about their colleague, because we're not always going to be made aware of someone who's struggling, and we know all of the stigma that goes along with mental health uh, distress, mental health concerns. And so, uh, equipping physicians to notice when their one of their colleagues is struggling and to feel confident and, and well-equipped to have those conversations with them was really important. And so 
as a component of that, we also needed to ensure that the policies and procedures for our health system maintain the dignity and privacy of, strug of struggling clinicians. And so to deliver on both of those objectives, we rolled out a clinician in distress guideline, which helps walk physicians through having that difficult conversation with a colleague that they're concerned about. And also make sure that we bring the resources to the struggling clinician rather than expecting them to go out and find them or even worse, dragging them down in front of their colleagues to the psych uh, facility, which as we know, or as you can imagine, uh, it, the first time that happens is the last time someone will, will raise their hand for help. So uh, I think that bolstering those resources and equipping our physicians to have meaningful conversations and then bringing resources to our physicians were part of uh, our efforts to make sure that those resources were available. And also, I'm happy to share, uh, in addition to those resources that are specific to mental health, there are multiple efforts afoot in our organization to improve workplace well-being so that the environment that's surrounding our physicians adds to their well-being rather than detracting from it. And one of the key components of those efforts are our Care for the Caregiver program. So this is a uh, peer support program designed to provide emotional first aid after adverse events. So what we do every day as clinicians is not normal. And we see things and do things that most people working in an office environment couldn't even imagine. And there are some of those cases that are just a little too close to home and we need assistance in processing those, uh, those difficult emotions that are an inevitable part of an adverse event. And so we designed a uh, peer support program to help make sure that our clinicians have support after these adverse events. And we try to proactively reach out to our clinicians once we're made aware of uh, difficult cases. We also have a uh, psychological safety in the event review uh, committee. The impetus for creating this committee was uh, we know that bad things happen in health systems, but when we initiate an event review, when we look back and, and start that event re review process, it needs to be approached with the mindset of assuming good intentions. No clinician comes to work to, with the intention of hurting a patient. We all come and do our best work every day. And sometimes the circumstances surrounding delivering clinical care results in an adverse event, or sometimes we make a mistake, but our intentions are almost always good. And so when we investigate or do fact-finding after an adverse event, um, it needs to be with that mindset. And so the language that we use in our event review process should reflect that assuming good intentions. And so we've redesigned uh, all of the, the language and structure of our event review process to reflect that using job aids and scripting. And then we've also redesigned the structure of the event review process because we also understood that every time we're asking our physicians to tell their story of what happened, it's repetitively traumatizing them. So we're streamlining that process so that they only have to tell their story of the bare minimum of times. And we've also embedded a peer supporter into the debrief process so that they have that emotional first aid available to them immediately. 
And finally, we instituted a provider litigation program. So after that adverse event, if God forbid it proceeds to litigation, we have a robust provider litigation support program to provide mentorship uh, and educational resources to our physicians through the medical malpractice process. In addition to that resource, we also have uh, instituted reflective rounds, or we offer reflective rounds to teams in our health system uh, to help them to process the vicarious trauma that they're exposed to in particularly challenging uh, environments like uh, cancer centers and um, palliative care teams. Um, and those reflective rounds help them to process uh, the difficult work that they're doing and also develop mutual support. Along the same lines, we do utilize it. You may have heard of short center rounds. We have rebranded them in our health system as Christiana Careway rounds, but um, it's similar intention to help our clinicians to process uh, the ethical and moral dilemmas that they're confronted with. We have offered ice cream rounds to our residents, which is, is not just about ice cream, but it's a surreptitious way of us uh, uh, providing support to our residents. And so um, in, I'm happy to, to share that all 17 of our uh, GME programs have now signed up for ice cream rounds, which are uh, built into the protected education time that our residents have on, uh, and it's on a quarterly basis. And, and again, uh, those are hosted by a a uh, psychologist and our resident well-being specialist, uh, who is a psychologist, will uh, on a quarterly basis meet with the residents in each of those 17 programs. Uh, you know, we do do some psychoeducational uh, work there and also serves as a, a space for them to process and develop mutual support systems as well. We're also offering compass groups to our physicians, and those are small groups of six to eight physicians who meet um, on a, an at least uh, every two-week basis uh, for 10 to 12 sessions, and they work through a facilitated curriculum. And this uh, compass program is meant to improve camaraderie and mutual support and decrease that sense of isolation that we often uh, experience as physicians in a very busy healthcare environment. And we think that those programs and that development of camaraderie and mutual support goes a long way towards improving the well-being of our clinicians and also developing, again, that support system that is so critical for us as physicians when we're struggling. Now we have someone that I didn't have before that I can reach out to that I feel comfortable with for support. We also have an OASIS program, which OASIS stands for Opportunity to Achieve Staff Inspiration and Strength. The OASIS program is a team-based resilience effort. So I know I said we shouldn't necessarily be focusing on personal resilience, but the OASIS program is more about team resilience and the culture of wellness within a given work area. And with, through the OASIS program, we equip our caregivers to understand how their brain works under stress and train them up with some coping skills in bite-sized delivery components. It improves team recognition efforts, social support, and then also offers a, an OASIS room in each of the units that we uh, do the OASIS program. And the OASIS room is reset space. So it's a room just for the reflection and resetting of 
our caregivers with massage chairs and nice lighting. And um, I've had such, such wonderful anecdotal stories from some of our physicians, nurses, techs, and other caregivers who have used this space to decompress after really difficult patient or family or colleague interactions. We augment all of those efforts with uh, physician coaching uh, and professional development, as well as a super cool project that is one of my favorite initiatives that we do, and that's the Thank You Project. And uh, as clinicians, as physicians, we are are so busy every day and it's so easy for us to get disconnected from why we went into medicine in the first place and to forget how much of an impact we have on our patients and their families. And so the Thank You Project is designed to give us an opportunity to reconnect with the why of, of what we do. And so we bring patients and their families back to share their healthcare experience from their perspective and to thank the caregivers. And uh, when we have these thank you project um, events, they're often a, a completely tear-filled experience uh, for even the most uh, stoic physician in the group. And the feedback that we've gotten from these, this program, from the Thank You Project, has been uh, overwhelming. Um, I've had physicians tell us that this experience uh, refilled their gas tank, and they're good to go for another two years because they say, oh my gosh, this is why, this is why I do what I do. It's hard. It's challenging. It's, and there are days that I don't want to do this anymore, but this is why I put in all those years and all that effort to get where I am, to be able to provide this care that now this patient and this family is, is thanking me for. And so that is, I think, an example of, of programs that health systems can utilize to improve the environment in which our clinicians are working. It is so important for us to focus on uh, ameliorating distress when it happens, but it's also important for us to proactively reconnect with the joy and meaning of being a physician. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, th those are some super in-depth programs. And then I love that you really are not just um, dealing with the immediacy of a um, an adverse event necessarily, but also looking at those proactive ways to really increase the joy and in practice. So thank you for what you're doing. Turn it back over to Jerry. Thanks, Elisa. And I, I, I echo the wow. I could listen all day. Um, I've been doing this work for 23 years myself, and I often struggle with who's caring for the caregiver. And it sounds like Christiana Care is deeply committed, and that has to be from the leadership, or it wouldn't penetrate the organizational environment. So I commend both you and your leadership team for really sending that message. And I, I also have to say I, I truly appreciate the creation of a just culture, and rather than a blame and shame environment, which we sometimes so often um, see when it comes to uh, patient death, but really a commitment to continuous quality improvement, not just on the practice of care delivery, but even for your program, always being mindful of what could make a thank you program or the ice cream rounds or the massage, um, you know, step back and, and think it through environment, um, but even how that can continue to improve and physicians are willingly contributing with you 
to, you know, a program for them, by them, and about them, and it all ends up in better patient care. So my, my compliments, Dr. Foley, for all that you said. And I'd like to shift just a little bit and ask you a question about, since you've launched the program at Christiana Care, how has stigma around stepping forward changed since the program has, has been launched? And what kind of response have you noticed since the program was implemented, particularly in follow-up to your previous answer? How are physicians responding? How is leadership responding? Patients and colleagues, what are you? what is your sense of, of what this program is doing to the care being delivered at Christiana Care? That is a great question, and you are spot on about the stigma issue, and we knew that this was going to be a key issue for us to address, that it was really important for us to decrease the stigma around help-seeking behavior and for us to improve awareness um, and to normalize mental distress in our physicians. And so that was a huge focus for us over this past year. We started by screening a film about physician suicide with the Medical Society of Delaware for statewide for our physicians. Uh, We also had a spring symposium with guest speakers who you are also uh, interviewing on this podcast. Uh, And I think part of the impact of having that spring symposium was having real physicians share real stories, their own personal stories of what it was like to struggle with mental illness. And it helps, I think, the more that we do that, as scary as it is, the more that we hear and share those personal stories, I think it really normalizes that for our physicians who are struggling when they, when they realize that, oh my gosh, it's not just me, that there are so many of my colleagues that I'm probably working right next to who are also suffering from anxiety or depression or suicidal ideation, that it doesn't make me, I'm not abnormal in that respect, and it doesn't mean that I'm not capable of practicing. And so I think that those are really important discussions to have. And so that's one of the the things that we've been doing over the last year in order to raise that awareness and decrease the stigma. Again, we also rolled out those clinician in distress guidelines because we felt like that was really important to start a discussion. And we had those discussions in some key forums in our health system, which we've seen uh, just really vulnerable conversations open up uh, once we have presented this information. And I think that's really just the first step. I am pleased to say that over the last year, and hopefully it was uh, as a result of some of these efforts, we've seen a doubling in utilization of our physician EAP program, as well as a steady increase in utilization of the resource liaison line that I mentioned. And so we're now at the point where 13% of our residents have utilized the resource liaison line. And that's separate from the physician EAP services. They're often referred there. But um, so we think that that is a huge testament to decreasing those barriers to help-seeking behavior. That's just fantastic. And, you know, I think the, the, the takeaway that I hear from you is you're not alone. And I think the more that you can convey that message that you're not alone and the fact that, you know, we lose 47,000 Americans annually to suicide, it's time and you've demonstrated that loud and clear that, you know, the physician suicide numbers um, between 300 and 400 a year um, don't have to be that high. And there is 
preventive, act, preventive action that we can take. And I really appreciate um, the fact that you are doing that. And, and also that, you know, those that are feeling rather isolated once they realize there's others in a similar situation, um, you can recover and you can go back to practice and you can make a huge difference and return to that promise that you ultimately found to go into medicine in the first place once you really get the kind of help that might be getting in the way at the moment. So thank you for all of that. And I'd like to turn it back to Elisa. So my last question, tell me a little bit about what uh, surprised you the most since you launched this program. You know, what's the thing that you didn't expect was coming? Now you're a year plus in. There are so many things that surprised me. Um, however, I think the thing that surprised and touched me the most was how much our clinicians continue to give of themselves, their compassion, their humanity, the selflessness that they display. It just continues to astound me how much our physicians are willing to give of themselves to their patients and to each other. I, I think that we know that that tendency to self-sacrifice when it's not balanced can be detrimental for sure. But I think it's also a strength that we can leverage if we're able to tap into that to create a mutual support system. So if we can connect to one another based on our common experience and, and normalize those very human reactions we're having to abnormal sets of circumstances that we find ourselves in in medicine oftentimes, and if we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough with each other, I think then we can receive that encouragement and support that we need to flourish and, and hopefully that helps us to have that long and fulfilling career as physicians that we dreamed about and worked so hard for. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Farley, for joining us and for your leadership at Christiana Care. This issue on physician well-being it certainly won't be the last time we talk to you about this because uh, every time I talk to you, I feel like there's this font of knowledge um, that we can all learn from. But just want to thank you for joining us today. Turn it back over to Jerry for any closing comments. Likewise, Dr. Foley, thank you so much for, for all you're doing. And I, I've learned in my career that it's when you talk about an issue that you can do something about an issue. You can act on an issue and you can certainly modify the way uh, an organization or a community or, in fact, a nation responds. So um, the leadership that you've exerted at Christiana Care with your team and the leadership there is an example for others to emulate. And, and I hope they are. As a physician scientist, I'm sure you're out there talking to your peers at conferences and things of that sort, um, really demonstrating the importance of physician well-being and suicide prevention for physicians. And I just, you know, with, with 47,000 people dying by suicide every year in this country and another 10 million experiencing serious thoughts of suicide in the 12 months before being asked. Um, the need is certainly there, and to concretize a response the way you have um, just makes me delighted that we've had the chance to have this call today. So I thank you for all you've done, and I think it would be um, easy for me to say that what you've done for our physicians who give so much of themselves is truly noteworthy, and, and I'm grateful that there's, there's a recognition that the job our physicians do is tough. And it, it, when it gets to be too tough, there are places like Christiana Care, and I'm sure 
colleagues across the country who are really trying to be there to make sure that that load doesn't have to be carried alone. So thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk today. I hope that what we've shared today inspires people to make real changes in their health system. And it was my pleasure to be here. It's my goal and why I do what I do is to create the, the conditions for our caregivers to and our physicians in particular to experience joy and meaning in work. So I hope that this, uh, our, our discussion today uh, is, is helpful to others who are listening. So thank you for the opportunity to participate. Thanks so much. Suicide rates for physicians are among the highest of any profession, and this issue is certain to receive close attention and scrutiny. This has been Advancing Health, a podcast from the American Hospital Association. Thanks for listening.